We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Happy Friday, Hornets fans. This is Richie, and I'm joined by Lee for an emergency BuzzBeat podcast, as it was just reported by Woj that today, Friday, June 16th, at about 10 a.m., that Michael Jordan is planning on selling his majority stake to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly. We will share our thoughts on this and the implications of this sale before we get started, we appreciate it if you guys can show us some love on Apple Podcasts by giving us a five-star review. We will definitely read it on the next episode. Also, Brian and I just did a comprehensive video breakdown of Scoot Henderson with about 12 clips of him out of the pick and roll. It's something that you know we've been wanting to do for a while, and we may even do it in the future with Hornets players next year and just some of the sets that they do run. You guys should definitely check that out. And then depending on when you're listening to this, there's also an audio version of that breakdown. Um, I guess if you're listening to this on a Saturday, June 17th, it'll already be out. Lee, I know you've had a busy schedule and haven't been on in a while, so I'm definitely glad you can do this Twitter Spaces episode with me. How's everything going in your life before we start talking about MJ? Things are good, man. Um, glad to be back on the airwaves. Uh, nice to, well, I mean, you know, I think most of Hornets Twitter will probably view this as good news. I think I think I view it as mostly good news as well. It's certainly the end of an era, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but life is good, you know, work, yard work planning a wedding, you know, all the, all the good stuff, but like, you know, draft next week, change in ownership. Like we finally got some things to talk about. So let's do it. Yeah. So let's get into the details of this sale. It's not totally unexpected because we had heard rumblings of this earlier, but I felt like the timing of it being a week out from the draft feels a little bit odd. And as I mentioned, Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, uh, who actually has a minority ownership of the Hawks since 2015, will be leading up this group to take over the majority stake here in the Charlotte Hornets. And there has been an agreement between these parties involved, 
but there still needs to be an approval process from the NBA to kind of get this finalized, which typically takes, I think, about a month. And obviously, Schnall, who will probably sell his minority stake in the Hawks, which will be finalized soon, too. And I don't know if you heard this, but J. Cole and Eric Church will be a part of this buyer group, which is interesting. Love that. But the, the kicker here, before I throw it over to you, in the report by Woj, it's stated that Jordan is expected to keep a minority stake in the ownership, which that's fine. But then it also said a presence within the franchise. I don't really know what that means for his influence on transactions moving forward. I just don't know. So I understand selling off a part of the team and, you know, being listed as a minority owner. But if he's still going to have a influence on transactions, you know, that kind of makes me a little bit weary about, uh, you know, his overall role within this team. So, Lee, what were your gut reactions when you heard the news that MJ is selling? You know, I, I like I can't help myself. I still have kind of this like nostalgic admiration for Michael Jordan because of the era I grew up in and, and yep. who he was, you know, to the game of basketball. So there is like a small part of me, I guess, more my heart than my head that like is a little sad about it, even though, you know, from just a pure like objective perspective this era of Michael Jordan ownership has mostly been an abject failure. I mean, from the fact that this team has only made the playoffs three times, has gotten swept twice and had that one uh, ill-fated seven-game series um, with basically the ghost of Dwayne Wade, you know, pulling the heat through against the Hornets, Uh, purple man, purple shirt man, all that good stuff. Like, um, so, so I think I have like slightly more mixed emotions than most, um, because if you're looking at this from just a purely kind of basketball operations, uh, spending, like spending to be competitive, you know, allowing like general managers to do their job and not, you know, tinkering too much in the ins and outs of everyday transactions. Like, I think this is all a positive thing for the Hornets franchise, uh, but there's still like a small part of me that would have loved for somehow the Hornets to have found success under the ownership of Michael Jordan, you know, because although that never came to reality and maybe never would have, like how cool could it have been? Yeah. And I think the nostalgia of MJ, same time error for me in terms of like, he's my goat. Yes. Uh, my favorite player of all time, you know, watching him in the mid nineties when I was, you know, eight years old and, you know, he, he just grew on me and having him be the owner of our hometown team, obviously is special, but to your point, first off, it's, it's a little bit reflective, but also looking forward to the new ownership group and how that affects the basketball operations moving forward. And you mentioned it, the on court product in his 13 years has not been awesome like way more losing seasons than winning seasons and to your point just made the playoffs three times in these uh 13 seasons and they haven't been to the playoffs since 2016 so and it and when you look back on and and spencer is going to request to speak here so i'm going to bring yes, him on let's get him on when you look back on some of the transactions that have been made with the hornets and especially like the draft moves 
any draft move that had some kind of backlash, it always felt like the report came out that there was some kind of say from MJ. Yeah. And it, it you know, in, whenever he inserted himself into some of these transactions, it always typically ended up being one that did not prove to be a successful one. So I think the on the court product is really what's holding, uh, you know, this ownership back. When you look back on these 13 years, MJ did not, was not successful in that aspect. And Spencer, uh, as you are brought here on, on the speaker, go ahead and give us your thoughts. SP. He's speechless, Richie. Spencer, he, is speechless. he just can't even, he can't even verbalize. <laughs> his, his, I think we're just going to hear him like cackling softly in the background. I'm not sure. <laughs> we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I'll just say this while you're kind of working on potentially getting Spencer up here. Um, You know, there's a couple other like nuanced points here. I think, I do think that MJ had started to do a little bit of a better job taking a backseat. Like I do feel like Mitch Kupchak probably because, probably because MJ trusted and respected him more than previous GMs and, and, and couldn't, kind of walk over him like previous GMs. I do feel like he did leave room for Mitch to do his job a bit more. I'm not saying he wasn't still uh, tinkering in the background and kind of peddling influence on decisions, but I do think he did a little bit of a better job with Mitch because of who Mitch is. And obviously we could sit here and kind of go back and forth on the, on the hits and the misses that Mitch has had. But I think on balance, Mitch has done a decent job uh, as general manager And then um, 
I think the other point is like, you know, MJ has been a pretty like heavy uh, philanthropist in the, in the Charlotte community. Nice. So I think that's worth mentioning. I, I hope that that wouldn't end just because he sold his majority stake. I mean, I, I would assume he'll still spend a lot of his time in Charlotte and be active in the community, which is certainly a positive uh, for the city of Charlotte. Um, and, and I think it's also interesting that like, I mean, I don't know, Richie, do you have a perspective or has there been any reporting yet on who will be kind of the lead decision maker in this ownership group? Is it, is it kind of a, co-governor situation with these two um you know putting up the most capital i mean it just it's just not one of those situations where it's like matt ishbia buying the suns and like right being the guy it seems like yeah i all i know it's not going to be eric church that's that's all i know <laughs> uh spencer get in here if you can speak uh, hopefully this is working hey guys can you hear me we can hear you there he is is it is it too early to have celebratory beer no no not during the summer we figured you were three old fashions deep already, Spencer. Uh, yeah, I wish. I, I just got out of a work event um, and checked my phone and had a, like a mild blackout panic attack. But but yeah, I've come to my senses and wow, here's where we are. And, and I think it, I think this is a good day. I think that's how we'll remember this day. A lot uh, remains to be seen. Um, so it's. Sorry, I'm literally catching up on the fly here. This is the Gabe Plotkin group, right? Yes. Right. Okay, and are there any other uh, big names in this ownership group that we know of? Uh, I mean, other than other than recording artist J. Cole. I, I don't know some of these names. Dan Sundheim? Okay, so uh, we have yeah. some research to do, but... Yeah. Okay, well, anyways, I, I look, you know, MJ was, and I've said this, a hundred times, you know, MJ was kind of gifted this franchise mm -hmm. um, when the Bob Johnson Bobcat failed, and so you know, I I, I I just feel no need to be an MJ apologist at this point. Uh, I thought Lee's comments were uh, well taken, and he's done a lot for the community, and hopefully he will continue to do so. Good point, Lee. But you know, Michael Jordan just made so much money off of this transaction, uh, so much money that Frankly, in my opinion, he, he didn't deserve to make. Um, but it's a good thing for the Charlotte franchise that we will have a new ownership group. I'm sure a new ownership group that will come in and try to be aggressive. That's kind of what ownership groups, certainly new ones, do. Uh, and I think this is a better for the entire product of the NBA. Um, you know, small markets need to be owned by fiscally responsible um meets aggressive wherever that intersection is small markets in this league need to be owned by people like that and so without anything else to go on uh you know with gay plotkin in, in this ownership group i'm going to assume that's exactly what they are um for a long time we tried to put lipstick on a, on a pig really with with what this thing was in charlotte uh with mj as the owner and hiring a bunch of his good of his friends <laughs> yeah. uh you it's know hiring as the gm it's it's just it was just an embarrassing, bad, pathetic ownership group. The worst in the NBA, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, so I hate to be too harsh, but I do think this is a really good thing uh, for the future of this franchise. Let me ask you a question, Spencer. And uh, you were talking about the sale of $3 billion he sold it for. He actually paid $275 million back in 2000. 
10. What do you think the biggest downfall of MJ? Was it hiring all the yes men or was it something different? I mean, I think it was a lot of things. I, I mean, I, yes, hiring people that aren't going to challenge you, regardless of what you do, is is a, a mistake. I would say a hundred percent of the time. Um, but when you're managing something um, that has the potential to make an impact, like a, prof- a professional sports franchise, I think that the negative trickle down becomes a little greater. Um, you know, I I, I think MJ's his, his uh, reluctance or unwillingness to, to lean in to analytics, to bolster the scouting department, to hire people that with a little bit of creativity. Um, I think all of that was ultimately his, um, you know, what, what kind of brought him down as an owner. I, I, I did catch the, the tail end of what Lee was saying about, you know, him pulling back from his decision-making. And it did, it did appear that that was the case, you know, for the past several years, I mean, that could have just been, you know, what was written in the media and, the, you know, MJ basically selling, you're paying people to write this stuff, but it did appear that he, he kind of let people do their job, but his inability to hire the right people to do the job right. or not enough people in the right areas, again, data analytics, scouting, you know, it, it was just, it, it almost seemed like every personnel decision he made was the wrong one. I think I think that's such a good point, Spencer. I was just going to say, like, one thing we hadn't really brought up yet was the fact that, like, Charlotte's staff was one of the worst paid staffs in the league. They had never fully invested in, like, a, a full-throated uh, analytics department. I mean, it was just very, very known around the league that Charlotte just wouldn't spend at the margins to have, like, a fully operational, professional basketball front and back office and when you put on top of that like him selling draft picks for cash and all that stuff i mean you're, you're right it's it's a great point well and and i would add to that lee and i was, was going to try to get to this but you know when you buy a franchise for 275 million and i'm in a car I don't, I don't know exactly what the valuation was when he bought it but it was it was greater than that i have to guess when you get that good of a, a sweetheart deal basically because you're Michael Jordan and the, and the NBA wants you to, you know, be a governor, you know, one of the 30 governors, when you're hand wrap a team, you're not allowed to also be cheap. Like that's just, <laughs> that's, that's not how, this is not how this works because we know the valuation of the league is going up. I mean, if I'm Adam Silver, I, I have, there's no way outside of, you know, the scandals that he's had to dealt with, you know, in the NBA with some of the, his owners, there's no way he could be more angry and pissed off at another than Michael Jordan. Because, you know, you just, it, it's such a slap in the face to the league to do that. Uh, and I know Adam Silver wasn't the one that gave him this franchise, but, you know, you have one of 30 seats that basically run the league. And so to fiscally act like this is it, just, it, it's really embarrassing for the league. So, so if I can put on my conspiracy hat for just a second. Yeah. Michael Jordan has made a lot of money, and I'm sure that that had mostly everything to do with why he sold the team. But I feel pretty strongly that there were some back office meetings, and he was highly encouraged to accelerate this process by people that actually run this league on the day-to-day operation. We have another speaker under construction, so uh, go, go ahead and give us your thoughts on this uh, selling of the team here for Michael Jordan. 
I am actually disappointed, Michael and so in the team because I feel like Charlotte is in position to really turn the corner uh, going into next season, uh, regardless of striking out on Wimby. You know, you're still going to get a pretty good player number two. Hopefully that's cool, but that's another story. But I feel like what's going to happen now is Charlotte is going to turn the corner start next season, and these new ownership groups are going to get all the credit for it, which is Now, speaking of all the financial stuff going on with the Hornets and Michael, quote unquote, being cheap, let's also realize that in the same of the third two owners, Michael Jordan is not going to live as far as well, which is crazy to say, but Michael is the fourth owner in the NBA. So I, I have to add some context to what Spencer was saying as far as Michael's, you know, financial stuff is going on. Now, as far as success with the Hornets, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this much. In the first five or six years of, of MJ's ownership, I'm, I'm not going to be too harsh on it because, you know, there, there's a curve. I, I actually think there was a learning curve in those first five or six seasons as far as, you know, who to hire, what to do. You know, you know, hiring Sam Vincent and hiring some of his friends. I feel like he knew at that point, after that point, that that was a mistake, and he had to he had to get better guys. And so, it's not for lack of trying. I mean, the rich toe error didn't go well. Um, I, I can't think. I, I don't. I don't think it's fair to put all the blame on Michael for that because we all thought Rich Toe was a good hire at that time. You know what I mean? I can't. You know, the, the Mitch Kupchak era to me is still in process. I don't think we, it, it's, we, we, we're still looking to see how this plays out with the Mitch Kupchak era. So I say all that to say the timing of this sale is disappointing because, again, I think I may, I'm probably in the minority, which I totally understand. I think the Hornets, with Miles Bridges coming back, with the with opportunity to get a really good player number two, is in position to really turn this thing around. And it's disappointing that he's selling at this point. Now, look, Michael's ownership has been far from perfect. I agree that he's hired the wrong people. But let's offer some context here. We've never had the luck of other teams as far as getting that 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 superstar that was going to you know transform this team into a contender. We struck out on Wimby. We struck out on Anthony Davis. We can't blame Michael for this stuff. One thing, now one hot takey kind of thing that I always will agree with as far as, you know, what happened under Michael, Michael Jordan's ownership, we have drafted the wrong guys. And even in the Mitch Kupchak era, I think that has gotten better. Yeah. I think you know, I think Kupchak has hit more than he's missed. And, and you know, and we can at least say that. So, I, look, let me, let me be very clear about something. I wanted to turn this thing around with Michael because I do believe that a lot of the criticism he gets, some of it's being fair, but a lot of it is sensationalized as well. And this, and just from a fan perspective, okay, I wanted to turn this thing around with MJ, which is why I'm disappointed that he's selling at this point. Let me also be very clear about something. If, if Michael, let's just hypothetically say if Michael did sell and the Hornets missed the playoffs again, then at that point, I would have had no problem with everybody being fired, Michael selling, and, a turn, and and everything being turned on his head at that point. So I just want to be clear about that, and I'll take it off right now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, those are those are good thoughts, and thank you for those. Um, and, yeah, I appreciate you trying to paint some context. I, I just, I don't know how much more information we need 
how much more data we need to collect to see that like this Michael Jordan's just not going to invest the resources necessary to compete in the NBA. Yeah, it would be nice if we got, you know, Anthony Davis instead of Michael K. Gilchrist or you know, we're set up to have Wimby right now. Um, but, you know, bad luck. Everyone has bad luck in the league. Some teams have better luck. But, like, ultimately the teams that win are the teams that invest the resources into that. And Michael Jordan has never showed us, ever, that he is willing to invest the resources to at least be an, an average tier owner that will spend. And, and so, it, you know, and, and that was my point from earlier. When you're, when you're gifted a team like he was, that's just, it's inexcusable to me. And it's a slap in the face to the league. And it's one of those things too, like under construction had mentioned about the drafting has, has seemingly gotten better over the past handful of years. And I think the one thing that I'll kind of push back on in terms of, you know, maybe giving the credit to the new owners and Evan, we'll get to you here in a second, you know, giving credit to the new owners. If the Hornets were to turn this thing around, I think we've had a large enough sample under MJ 13 years to know that, you know, he is just not the right person for the job and he hasn't had a proven track record in those 13 years. Really, you talk about the first five years kind of, you know, playing it out as the owner. That's really where the playoff appearances came from, right? It's It's been the last six, seven years where the Hornets have not made the playoffs. Yes, they've gotten to the play-in uh, and had some pretty poor showings there. But I think at this point, it's been proven that MJ just doesn't have the right capabilities to manage and operate a basketball team and hasn't found the right pieces. And, you know, his the drafting has gotten better, but I think with the small market team, you've got to build through the draft. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, we'll, we'll see how this goes moving forward. And Evan, we'll get to your thoughts. We probably got about five more minutes here, but go ahead, Evan. All right. I, I'll try to keep this somewhat brief, but you know, this is one of the best days in the Hornets history. And I don't think that's an understatement to say I'm under, under construction. You seem like a great guy, but I think you're missing the point here. The fact that the Hornets seem to be, you know, on the brink of maybe hopefully turning around, I think it's more of in spite of MJ uh, than because of MJ. Um, and like you guys, you guys hit the nail on the head the whole time with here. He hasn't had, he hasn't had the right guys there. He had the yes men. He had the rich show, um, the Mike Dunlap, the Sam Vincent. And he seems to have made the right decision bringing Kupchak, who, you know, has the strength to tell him no. You know, we all know the stories of Steve Clifford standing on the table begging from, um, for Donovan Mitchell and MJ taking Malik Monk or, you know, MJ falling in love with Frank Kaminsky and turning down the Celtics five first-round picks for Justice Winslow. Um, I, I, I don't want to... I want Buzz Peterson. I, want him, I don't want him to ever be allowed in Spectrum Center again. I want his access to be, his email access cut off. I'm done with Michael Jordan's friends taking control of this ownership group. Um, it's a great day for the franchise. Um, the one thing that, the one caveat, and I know the whole draft situation, we don't know what's going to happen. The one thing that I do, that I do think uh, people aren't thinking about is Miles Bridges and not getting involved in the should Bridges be back, should not. I'm, I'm talking about from a perspective of if we're assuming that Bridges is, you're getting Bridges back. I don't know if a new ownership is going to come in and have the first thing they do, bring back Miles Bridges. Like that seems like a bad PR decision uh, for a new ownership group. So that's something that I am a little bit concerned of with the timing of this whole thing. I, I'm, I'm sure you guys like me have been following Bridges on my Twitter. He tweets you know, back soon, this, that. So, and he seemed to have a good relationship with MJ. Um, so 
that is something that I, I, you know, a little bit concerned with thinking about. Um, but overall, a great day for the franchise, a great day for the fans. And it's sad because 99% of the world views MJ in this light of, you know, this God, this amazing person, and, and us as Hornets fans, and we have such a different view on Michael Jordan. And I don't think that I'll ever be able to, you know, change that, but it, it is nice not to have to think about Michael Jordan currently as a negative asset in my life anymore. All right. Does anyone have any parting thoughts here, Spencer Lee, uh, as we wrap up here? No, no, I, I'm good, guys. Have a great weekend. I got to jump out of the car here, but um, overall, a good day, I think. All right. Take care, guys. Talk to you soon. See you. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say, appreciate Under Constructions and Evan's perspective. I, I think um, I think it's good, you know, to have different perspectives in the light of, you know, some big news. Um, certainly kind of like a watershed moment for this franchise. Um, I do think the only other thing I would add is like, you know, Michael Jordan didn't have to sell this team. You know, this wasn't a, this was not a forced situation. This was, this was a decision he made. You know, after after owning this team for over a decade, um, as Spencer rightly pointed out, he's going to make a ton of money on this sale versus, you know, what he acquired the franchise for and what it's worth today. Um, so from a business transaction standpoint, this was a very successful, uh, you know, uh, 4A for Michael Jordan. Um, the on-court success, we, we've belabored it probably farther than we needed to. Um, it was quite disappointing. And, um, you know, we, we do have still a lot of big moments left in this offseason. We've got the draft next week. We've got free agency. Um, we've got, you know, any sort of trades that may or may not happen. Um, and we have a new ownership group uh, finalizing their deal here in the next four to six weeks. So uh, massive offseason for the Charlotte Hornets and glad we were able to kind of put on this emergency pod um, when the news broke. And it's going to be interesting to see with this new ownership group, how long Mitch Kupchak, you know, we mentioned him, Steve Clifford, how long, how long of a leash do they have with this upcoming season? And you don't, I, I think they're going to stay on this season because you don't want to have a repeat of last season where there's last minute changes with the coach and the GM and, you know, making last minute decisions right before the draft and free agency. So I, I think they'll give them that luxury. But I do wonder if the new ownership group is one going to have a say in that type of basketball operations stuff. And then, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, MJ feels like he's still going to be a part and have a presence in some of the decision making. We'll see how how much that is. Uh, there was a report that came out recently that the Hornets were going to bring back both Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller on Monday to visit with MJ. And then this news comes out. Uh, so maybe he'll still be there uh, as a minority owner and having a chat with those two and, and making that type of decision. I know that we've kind of made it known here on the podcast, which one we favor, uh, but we'll see how much influence he has moving forward. But I would say, uh, generally speaking, I don't think I'm as negative as Spencer, I don't think I'm as positive as under construction. Uh, you and I kind of fall right down the middle here, Lee. Uh, but I think the on-the-court product, we're hoping uh, in the grand scheme of things, starts to improve uh, because in his 13 years as owner, uh, it just really wasn't that successful. So we appreciate everyone that tuned in to Twitter Spaces. I apologize, Austin, for not being able to get to your speaker request, but we've got to run here. Uh, we do have a Father's Day special going on right now with our Substack. Uh, get you 20% off an annual subscription if you order now 
uh, or before June 18th. And the link to get that discount is buzzbeat.substack.com slash dad23. We will talk to you guys later. For Lee, I'm Richie. Have a good one. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.